Nehemiah chapter 3, verses 11 through 18. You know this story. Nehemiah is going back to Jerusalem to rebuild the city. Verse 11 says, So I came to Jerusalem and was there three days. And I arose in the night, I and some few men with me. Neither told I any man that my God had put in my heart to do at Jerusalem. Neither was there any beast with me save the beast that I rode upon. And I went out by night by the gate of the valley, even before the dragon well and the dung port, and viewed the walls of Jerusalem, which were broken down, and the gates thereof were consumed with fire. Then I went on to the gate of the fountain and the king's pool, but there was no place for the beast that was under me to pass. Then went I up in the night by the brook and viewed the wall and turned back and entered by the gate of the valley and so returned. And the rulers knew not whither I went or what I did. Neither had I as yet told it to the Jews, nor the priests, nor to the nobles, nor to the rulers, nor to the rest that did the work. Then said I unto them, you see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lieth in waste, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. Come and let us build up the wall of Jerusalem, that we be no more a reproach. Then I told them of the hand of my God, which was good upon me, as also the king's word that he had spoken unto me. And they said, let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for this good work. I want you to notice just for a moment how often the word gate or gates show up in this passage. And we talk often about the walls and we'll talk a little bit about that. And we heard a little bit about tearing down some walls and we've heard from pastor over the past uh, several uh, sermons and messages, how he wants us to rebuild and rekindle and rededicate, redevote things in our lives that may have been destroyed. Or maybe we've turned our back on or maybe we've just been exhausted and just laid down. I wanna minister to you just for a little while this morning on this subject. Remember those gates. Remember those gates. Would you do me a favor? Just close your eyes and lift up your hands in this house. And it's already been stated and sung about. I want the presence of God here right now. We need your spirit, Lord. We need your touch, God. Your word is already anointed. I'm just asking that you would anoint these lips of clay. Move upon our hearts, Lord. Move upon our ears, Lord Jesus. Let your anointing fall upon us right now, God, because your word is the most important thing in our lives, Lord Jesus. And the preaching of your word is your desired way to communicate to your body. And we humbly submit to you right now, God. We turn to you, Jesus. We need you, Jesus, in this house. If you need the Lord's presence, can you just clap your hands and make a joyful noise in unity this morning? I need you, Jesus. I need you, Jesus. In scriptural language, walls are symbols of salvation. They're symbols of separation. In Isaiah chapter 26 and verse 1, it says, In that day, sing, in that day, this song will be sung in the land of Judah. We have a strong city. He sets up salvation as walls and bulwarks. In Isaiah chapter 60 and verse 8, it says, Violence shall no more be heard in your land devastation or destruction within your borders. You shall call your walls salvation and your gates praise. In Proverbs chapter 25 and verse 28, it says, a man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. I think that we could all probably unify on the fact that walls are very important in history to the people of the Bible and even to us today. I don't just want anybody coming into my house. 
I don't just want any kind of weather or any kind of influence coming into my domicile. I want to protect certain things. I invite some things and I keep other things out. Let's never forget about the walls, but I would like to shift your focus just for a few moments from the walls. I would like for us to think about the gates and in particular, 10 different gates that were listed in Nehemiah chapter three. Uh, Chancellor Henderson, as I call him, he told me I only have two minutes per gate. And so I'm gonna try to respect that, Chancellor, so just raise your hand if, if, uh, if we're going over time. There's a lot to unpack here, and I certainly don't want to turn this into an all-day affair, but I feel the presence of God telling me, and when Pastor Carson texted the other day and asked me to minister this morning, I ran this concept and this idea by him, and he said, go for it, I love it, I think it goes right in line with what we've been saying. When Nehemiah goes back, to rebuild the walls, there's a lot of emphasis and focus that's spent on naming these 10 gates. And I'm not in any way, shape, or form trying to turn this into the Da Vinci Code, Brother Lopez. I don't want you to think that, oh, Brother Mac is thinking that the gates spell out the plan of salvation. That's not even close. It's several thousand years ago. We know that there is only one way to God. We know that Jesus said to Nicodemus, unless you're born again of the water and of the spirit, you cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Aren't you glad to be going to a church that believes that kind of truth? But what I would like to point your attention to and really kind of introduce a topic to you, there's really no resolution to this message. This is the beginning of something more than it is the conclusion of something. But I would like for you to think about the pattern that these gates represent in the city of Jerusalem. You're not gonna be saved if you know this Bible study. But as we begin to rebuild things in our lives, as we begin to resurrect old ministries that we thought we were dead, as we begin to hear the fresh new calling of God, I want to implore upon the people of God this morning to remember those gates because when we rebuild, it was not that the Bible was negligent in any way to mention what these gates were and what they meant. Brother Massengill, there are some things that we're also going to need to pay attention to when we say, yes, Lord, here am I, send me. When we say, Lord, I want to obey your will, not my will, but thine be done, there are some things that we would be very benefited to pay attention in terms of the definition of what these gates are. You ready to rock this thing? Are you with me? Are you with me, Brother Trano? The sheep gate. We are all sheep of his pasture. Man, we were looking at the telescope the other night at men's retreat, and we were checking out. I know that every time I preach, I'm going to mention a telescope, just so you know. <laughs> Brother Hauk was out there, and Brother Muse was out there and Chancellor Henderson was out there and Pastor Carson drug Pastor Lopez out there. And we felt the presence of God. Brother Muse, did we not talk about some deep things of God? We talked about Abraham's bosom and we talked about eternity. And we talked about how God has no beginning and no ending and how we're everlasting. We have a beginning and we're going to spend forever somewhere, but nobody's like our God. He doesn't have a beginning. He doesn't have an ending. He doesn't have a start. He doesn't have a finish. He doesn't even have dimension of the increase of his government and peace. There shall be no end. That means the things that he created are never going to stop expanding. But brother, brother Gallion, even though they're never going to stop expanding, no matter what, he's not growing one little bit but it will never stop growing and it will never reach his border because he is the almighty, because he is the eternal God, because he is the omniscient one, the absolute one. 
and we are just the sheep of his pasture. And while I love the fact that we have invented asphalt and we have discovered electricity and we have microwaves and don't you know I love Pop-Tarts, we are so limited in our ability. And if we are going to hear, young IBC students, hear me, if we are going to hear and obey the call of God in our life, it doesn't matter if you're bilingual. It doesn't matter if you know the notes on the scale. It doesn't matter if you can play the keyboard and pick up the bass. It doesn't matter what your talent is and what your giftings are, even though they are God-given. At the end of the day, we have got to understand that we are just sheep in his pasture. If we think that we can do it on our own for one split second, it will lead to catastrophe. We are only sheep. Brother Gallion, when we're thinking about our ministries. Don't forget about the sheep gate. You got to start at the sheep gate. The fish gate. On a scale of one to ten, how important do you think the fish gate is? It was probably the fish gate because it was the most <clears throat> efficient place. If it's, if it's too many puns, just let me know. It's like fishing sometimes, you know, you just kind of throw it out there and you just wait for a bite. Fish represents diversity. May be because while they're the same in nature, they require the same sort of environment, they resemble each other, but yet they are very, very different. There are catfish and carp and tilapia and swordfish. Manuel Swedenborg, a Swedish scientist and philosopher and theologian said that fish represent memory and knowledges because it is maybe the dependent on their senses for survival. What's fascinating to me is it's called the fish gate. It represents diversity, yet it's one gate. It almost seems paradoxical, if you will. Diversity, but one. Oneness is not necessarily language that is foreign to us because Jesus says, I am the way and I am the truth and I am the life and no man comes to the Father but through me. 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 5 says, There is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. Acts 4 and 12 said, Salvation exists in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men whereby we must be, sa we must be saved. While there is only one God and there is only one way, and we sang about his way this morning, there are several different types, if you will, of people that will come into our gates. Yes, we are all sort of fish, but yet we are all just a little bit different. And I know that in our society today, it's, it's, almost, it's almost voting season. And I know we kind of know how to vote. Maybe we don't. But let me tell you something. In the kingdom of God, racism can't exist. It just can't. It just can't. I might even, I'm, I'm under authority here, so I'm, I'm not an authority figure, Brother Trano, but, but I'm just saying that that maybe if there is racism, maybe it's not the kingdom of God. 
It's, it, there's no tolerance for that in the kingdom of God. Because there's a fish gate. There's one gate. There's one way. But all the fish can come in that gate. All the diversity is welcome into the kingdom of God. Make it plainer. You know, sometimes there's brown skin in the kingdom of God. Sometimes there's pasty skin in the kingdom of God. Can I? <laughs> this will likely be the last time I ever get to preach at Calvary Tabernacle. <laughs> Sister Lopez, what did Pastor Lopez pray for? What? He prayed for a pasty woman. It's the last time. My brother and I were young. We were doing the dishes and I go, hey, Matt, if we do a bad job doing dishes, mom will never ask us to do dishes again. He went and told my mom. Guess who did dishes for a year straight by himself? It looks like I'll be cleaning toilets later. There's all different kind of people in the kingdom of God. There's dark skin and light skin and brown skin and yellow skin and mixed skin. There are different cultures in the kingdom of God. There's different musical preferences in the kingdom of God. Your musical preference might not necessarily be my cup of tea and mine's probably not yours either, but I'm so glad that we've both been buried by the name of Jesus. I'm glad we've both been filled with the Holy Ghost. We don't talk the same. We don't look the same. We don't even think the same. But there's only one gate. You can come in the gate. You can come in the gate. It doesn't matter that you like that food or this food. It doesn't matter, Brother Vite. Everybody comes in the gate. Some people drive Chevy. Some people drive Ford. Some people like Prius. And unfortunately, some people like Ford. That's okay. It's the fish gate. It's not a person connected to Calvary Tabernacle, but someone that I was speaking to just the other day. They were talking about, and I, again, last time probably, that's okay. They were talking about a different nationality buying this church building. And this person pulled me aside and said, what do you think their agenda is? And I, I don't know, it's been a good long while since I've wanted to throat punch somebody. <laughs> what do you think their agenda is? Their agenda is to breathe. Their agenda is to live and to work and to have babies and to serve God. And they read that verse that said, go ye therefore into all the world and preach the gospel. Not just to brown people, not just to black people, not just to white people, not just to people of your demographic, not just to people in your, all people. Peter quotes Joel in Acts chapter two. I don't know if you remember this verse, but he said, behold, in the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, broken flesh, good flesh, bad flesh. All colors of flesh, young flesh, old flesh, sophisticated flesh, caveman flesh, all flesh. 
Pastor Lopez, if I can just take the liberty, if we're gonna reach our world, if we're gonna rebuild the things that Pastor Carson has been trying to awaken us, we have got to remember, yes, we are sheep and yes, we are humble, but don't forget the fish gate. It's for everybody. Cast your nets. Don't fish with a lure. Don't fish with a fishing pole. Throw it out there. Catch everything you can catch. Let them all in. It's the fish gate. It's the fish gate. The old gate, the old gate was old school. The old gate may have literally been the old gate. Brother Mac, I like new and cutting edge. Same, same. If it weren't for my girls, I mean, Sister Mac would definitely not be up at the times. Thanks, Jay and Joss. You know what's super funny? A couple months ago, Jayla's like, so they're 15 months apart, and now I'm in trouble because I can't remember their ages. <laughs> 20 and eight, 19, 19. Jayla goes, she's nannying while she's going to Bible college. She's got some young kids that she's nannying. She's like, I can't keep up with them. Welcome to life, kid. <laughs> How many billions of dollars has Lord of the Rings earned? J.R.R. Tolkien. Billions, right? Billions. Stories about roughly 6,000 years ago. Imaginary, but 6,000 years ago. Have you ever heard this line? Long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away, Trillions, billions. Let's not pretend like we don't like the old school stuff. If we're rebuilding our calling, if we're putting some pieces back together because we've fallen, don't forget the old gate. Don't forget the Shema. Don't forget, I know it's basic and I know it's simple. It's old school, Brother Scott. It's old, old, old school. But hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. I said, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. They asked Jesus what the most important commandment was. He's like, I'm going back to the old gate. Mark 12, 29, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. I love music. I love cutting edge, and man, it is so cool to see what's going on around Calvary Tabernacle. I know Pastor Carson would say this. If we have to meet at Fountain Square, not just in Fountain Square, if we have to meet on the concrete and hold umbrellas and have a canopy, we could go away with everything else, but we gotta remember the old school message because in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. In the beginning, he put it all together. That wasn't yesterday, and he's known the beginning from the end. He is the first, and he is the last. Valley Gate. It's my second least favorite one. Because valleys are hard. I love valleys when they're poetic. <laughs> He's the lily of the valley. Oh, I love valleys then. It's interesting. Look how far you have to go 
once you leave the old gate, once you focus and dedicate on those core fundamental doctrines, sometimes you've got to walk a long way through the valley to get to the valley gate. Notice, Sister Madison helped me out so much and she's so artistic. She asked me if she could turn it that way so it would fit. That's really north is facing left and south is facing right and valley gate's facing west. There's nothing like a sunset. That reminds me, Brother Hauk, been a long day. Might be a long night. Brother Trainer Joy comes in the morning. It's by walking that valley and staying faithful to the faithful one. You know, you stumble in the valleys because it's dark. Sometimes there are predators in the valley. But David said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff may comfort me. If you're not gonna forget that you come in the sheep gate, then don't forget about what David said about our good shepherd. He's got you in his hand. Brother McElhaney, Sister McElhaney, the valley is long, it's dark and it's scary, but there is a gate and if you'll just hang on, there is coming a day. If you just put one foot in front of the other, just keep your hand in his hand. He can take you through the darkest night. He can take you over the highest mountain and through the deepest valley. Don't forget about the valley gate. Just don't forget. You don't have to know everything about the valley gate, but just know it's just part of the wall. Um, before they flash the next one, I thought about props. And then I came to this gate and I'm thinking, I might be a little mouthy and sarcastic and try to be funny once in a while, but no props. Next one. <clears throat> All of Jerusalem's refuse and rubbish was taken out through the dung gate. It's funny kind of comical, kind of ha-ha. I just, to think the Lord doesn't have a sense of humor is just beyond me. Young folks, there are things that we have to eliminate from our lives. The thing about the gate that we haven't mentioned before is to think it's a place where things come in, but it's also a place where things go out. If you think you're bigger than who you really are, you need to push those thoughts out the sheep gate as you realize that he's God and you're not. And we try our best to keep things out, but sometimes things sneak in. They're, life is laced. Brother Mooney used the terminology one time of trace elements, undetectable as they come in the gate, but as they begin to build up inside the walls, inside your body, inside the body of Christ, there are things that we just have to cut out. I'm not your pastor and I'm not about to make a laundry list of all those things that you know you need to cut out. 
It's, it's fascinating. We probably all have imagined three to five things in our lives right now. When we heard what this gate was called and what it was all about, we probably felt a little bit of nudge from the Holy Spirit. Can we just take a little pause right now? And could you just lift up your hands and just say, God, I heard that. I felt that. There's something or some things that, man, I should just eliminate from my life. You feel that? There's a little something, something that we need to get rid of. And I almost feel like the Lord's been talking about this for a little while to us, but we just kind of like, you know, there are other gates. There are other things to focus on. Can I just be a little transparent and tell you something that I'm going to eliminate from my life? Would that be okay? Brother Max, the weirdest preacher I ever heard. The thing that I need to eliminate is lack of forgiveness. Man, I wish I hadn't even started this message. I don't forgive enough. I don't. I'm not gonna admit it again, so. In Matthew chapter 18, the king brings a servant forth that owes him a lot of money. I did the math on talents and gold and silver and all that. You can fact check me if you'd like. He owed about $260 million. $260 million. And that's probably about the amount that Brother Trano is going to sue me for defamation for the comment earlier. He goes to the king and the king says, it's time to pay up. And Pastor Lopez, in Matthew chapter 18, this servant who had zero opportunity to ever pay that back falls on his face and worships him and says, if you'll just forgive me, I promise you I'll pay you everything that I owe you. Zero chance that could happen. You know what the king says? All right. Washed clean. Forgiven. We don't know how much time passes, but we have to think it's not much. Same servant goes to his homie and says, hey, you owe me some money. 10,000 talents is what I was just forgiven of, but you owe me 100 pence. A fraction, a fraction of the money. And Pastor Lopez, he grabs that other servant by the throat, grabs him by the throat and demanded that he pay all. And you know how the story goes and you know what it's trying to demonstrate. But how dare I withhold forgiveness when I've been forgiven of so much? How dare I hold it against anyone for anything that they've ever done? And I know that there's a gradient and I know that some sins are heinous and I'm not talking about that. But most of the time, Pastor, the things that hold us up aren't even the big obvious things. It's amazing how much we can kind of like summon the, the moral fortitude to forgive those big things. It's the stupid little things that hang us up. He didn't have a second helping of my potato salad at the family reunion and now I hold it against him for far too long. Can I just confess to you right now. I'm guilty as charged, Lord. I need cleansing. I need help. I need your power. I need to forgive more. I need to let some things go. I need to forget about it. Man, don't forget about the dung gate. Next is the fountain gate. 
It's, it's really about freshness and hydration. It's amazing that when you, when you go through the gates in the same order that Nehemiah chapter three outlines them, you go to the dung gate, you're gonna have to go to the fountain gate and get your hands washed. <laughs> you're gonna have to go there and get yourself cleansed. You're gonna have to go get rehydrated, refilled, if you will, Pastor Lopez. You know, people are physically dehydrated. I read a statistic, and I don't know if it's factual, Dr. Faulkner, you can kind of like fact check me and send a message to the office if I'm wrong about this, but I read this stat that says 75% of Americans walk around dehydrated. It causes all sorts of health problems. It's amazing what happens when you're not filled with the right stuff. It, 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 I read one account that says when you're dehydrated, you demonstrate some of the same symptoms of someone that's drunk. You don't think right. It affects your cognitive abilities. When you're dehydrated, it affects your energy levels. Most Americans are considered chronically dehydrated when it comes to the biology. But can I just implore you to not be spiritually dehydrated? When they went to pick the deacons of the church in, in the book of Acts, they were looking for people that were filled with the Holy Ghost, not just partially hydrated, not just partially in connection with God. Brother Vitae, they were looking for people that were overflowing with the Spirit. And I know that water is not always the thing that, that we use to show the, the Spirit. It's, it's more like oil and it's more like wind. But Jesus said in John chapter 7 and verse 38, whoever believes in me, as the Scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. Can I just implore somebody to get refilled with the Holy Ghost before you leave this service today? Can I just implore someone to pray every morning in the Holy Ghost? Paul says, hey, I speak with tongues more than all you jokers, and I wish you would. I wish we would all speak with tongues. I wish we would all demonstrate the infilling of the Holy Ghost. And if you've never received the gift of the Holy Ghost, sometimes us church people can get a little hung up on sanctified technology and theological vocabulary. Let me just tell you what being filled with the Holy Ghost is. God is a spirit, and he will come live inside of you. It really is that, it really is that clear. And what happens with someone when they're only 25% filled with the Holy Ghost? That means you're walking around at least 75% carnal. I rebuke carnality in Jesus' name. I rebuke the flesh in Jesus' name. We gotta remember that there is a fountain that springs forth. We gotta remember that you can be filled with the power and the fire of the Holy Ghost. Man, don't forget that water gate. It has nothing to do with Richard Nixon. <laughs> the next one is the water gaze. Matter of fact, see, he was trying to be cute and he messed it all up. Isn't it interesting, and I'll, I'll hasten, isn't it interesting that the water gate is on the opposite side of the valley gate? That's fascinating to me. There is a spring that was attached to this water gate, but if you do some research, you find that it was a little bit different from the fountain gate. The fountain gate represented water that was flowing, stronger. The water gate represented a fountain that was a little less pressure, but a lot more water. Can I tell you that they're almost opposites in the picture, and they're probably almost opposites in real life because the valley will just absolutely leave you feeling like a sleeve of saltines. But when you're filled with the Holy Ghost, when you remember 
your testimony. When you remember if he's done it once before, he can do it again. You start to store up some things for your journey. You start to fill your canteen. You start to dig some ditches. You start to dig some cisterns. That's why church attendance, Pastor Lopez, is so important. That's why Paul wrote it in the book of Hebrews, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. It wasn't so that we could put numbers on a board, Brother God, and I see you back there. It wasn't so that we could get our little perfect attendance. It's because we need the presence of God in our lives, and we need what we get from the body, and we need what we get from the church service because we're gonna go around the city again. We're gonna have another valley, but we gotta store up something. We got to store up a testimony. We got to build up our faith. Whatever you do, wherever you go, Monday through Friday, don't forget about the water gate. We got the horse gate. Vietnam era Colonel Hal Moore, the story was told. I don't know if this is factual. I, I love bringing a lot of things that we don't even know are true. <laughs> the Bible is the only thing that's really true. Everything else is just anecdotal in my opinion. It was said that Hal Moore was meeting with his officers before they went into battle at Vietnam. And of course, the depiction, the timing would just have to be unbelievably impeccable for this to really be true. But he said, we shall ride into battle. And the moment he says that, a big Huey helicopter flies and lands right next to the hangar. And he says, and this will be our horse. And if you're anything like me at all, probably overdosed on testosterone and that gives me cold chills. That excites me a little bit. Stories of heroism, stories of sacrifice. To this day, when I hear the national anthem and I see the Star Spangled Banner, I just, just tears come to my eyes, just patriotism and grit and let me at them. And Sister Mac, I, I would love it if she would let me get a flat top haircut, but she says, you're already too militant as it is. There's no way in this world you're gonna walk around looking like a Marine. The Air Force slogan says, aim high, fly, fight, win. The Navy says, forged by the sea. The Army says, Army strong. And the Marine, they still have theirs, the few, the proud, the Marines, the Coast Guard, born ready. I love to hear stories about strength and speed and valiance and confidence. And when the church is called for a work day, it's amazing how many dudes and even little ones show up and they're ready to work and how many women even pitch in. And I think we all are bound by a sense of duty and strength and we're ready to put out the effort and, about, and to put out the work that's required. But don't forget that Ephesians chapter six, and you know this passage well, it says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the darkness, the rulers of darkness of this world against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore. Gird about having your loins. Gird about. My iPad just died. This guy's a wreck. We are in spiritual warfare. We don't take our direction from radio talk show hosts that sell razor blades. Joint rightus, young man. Remember that? Back in the day, you know, remember he used to get paid to sell joint rightus with chondroitin. If that doesn't ring a bell, some men trust in chariots. 
and some in horses. I don't want you to forget the horse gate. I want you to remember the strength of God. I want you to remember the power of the Almighty. We've got two short gates. The east gate located on the east side. We've been hearing about it so powerfully and so eloquently. The past several services about the coming of the Lord. That blessed appearing. And every morning when I see that sunrise, I say to myself, Lord, at one point, at one point in the future, there's going to be an appearing. You're gonna come back exactly like you said. And if there's nothing else that you should remember about this East Gate, Pastor Lopez, is that the Lord is coming back. And if you keep going around the circle, you find the inspection gate. It's the last and final gate. And when you think about what this means militarily, it's a gate where David would often go and inspect the soldiers as they would go out to war and they would come back in. And I think we all know this in this church, and I think we see it from the Bible, that you don't earn heaven. Your righteousness is as filthy rags. Your words are meaningless. And this inspection gate reminds me of the Lord himself when he's looking over his body. And he's not necessarily looking, Pastor Lopez, to see if we're perfect by our own effort. He's not looking to see if our program has worked. He's not looking to see that we've made all the right choices. What he's looking for is to see if my righteousness has been imputed to this people. If these are people that are wearing spotless robes, not because of their own piety, not because of their own dedication, not because of their own devotion, but do they have my blood applied to their life? As we wrap this message up, I just want us to think about the fact that at some point, and my goodness, Pastor Carson said it so well the other day, we do not hear about the coming of the Lord enough. And what that's caused in our generation, in our country, is maybe a little bit of Laodicean spirit. We relax just a little bit too much. We come to church, Brother Massengale, and sometimes I'm as guilty as anybody. We just kind of punch the clock. And we kind of sing our three songs, and we kind of go through our service, and we kind of do our thing. And we go home, and we have our street tacos, or we go to the, the barbecue place, or we do whatever. And just Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, we just kind of do our thing. And if we're not careful, we'll be born and we'll live and we'll die. We'll be very religious. But when he comes again and when he's looking across his body, when the trumpet sounds and just like John recalled it in the book of Revelation, when the Lord says, come up hither, don't you know I want to be in that number? Don't you know I want to pass the test, if you will? It won't be because of my IQ or my EQ or my intellect or my ability. It will be because the blood of Jesus Christ was applied to my life. It will be because I walked in covenant with him. And even though my side of the covenant is light and simple and not that big of a deal, he says, if you'll just be my people, I will be your God. I will be your righteousness. I will be your covering. I will be your source of strength. Why don't you stand with me as we, as we close this morning? Lord, these gates. Lord, there's a lot of words on the page. A lot of thoughts here. A lot of things, Lord. How can I focus on all these things at one time? As you close your eyes all across this auditorium, I don't want you to focus on all the gates. You're gonna go through different seasons in your life. Sometimes you're at the valley and sometimes you're at the dung gate and sometimes you're at the old gate. You just need to be reassured that you're walking and, and that your ways are faithful. You couldn't possibly focus on all 10 gates at one time. 
The word of God is quick and it's powerful and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. And I just want you to lift your hands up all across this place. I just want you to ask the Lord, Lord, which gate? Which gate is my gate right now? Which direction are you calling me in right now? Lord, I felt an upheaval in my spirit lately. I felt an uneasiness in my spirit lately. And I'm ready to move and I'm ready to respond. I'm ready to seek you. You are a rewarder of those that diligently seek you. Lord, show me. Give me guidance right now. I have a feeling that there are folks under the sound of my voice right now. Like Sister Harley said just a little while ago, God, I'll give you a year. I wonder if there's anybody in this place that just felt like, wow, I'm on a time limit here. Every head bowed and every eye closed. I wonder if someone would just step out and say, yeah, that's, man, I've been feeling like the end is just kind of near and I just don't know what to do. I want to invite you to this altar right now. Just come through the gate. Just come find your space. There's probably someone under the sound of my voice where you've felt the power of God and you've had an experience with God, but some things have just kind of gotten in the way lately. Maybe you're running on about 25% and you just want to come get refilled. Would you step out from your pew right now? There are probably some, maybe you have multiple gates in your life, but probably all of us have something that just needs to be eliminated. It's just one little thing. It's that one last little obstacle. It's that one last little hang up. Lord, I want to go push that thing through that gate. I want to give it to you right now, God. Come on, all over this place right now, would you just take a few minutes and would you just step out from where you are and say, God, I, I know what gate you're talking to me about. I know what thing you want me to give up, Lord. I, want, I know what thing you want me to focus on, Lord Jesus. That's it. Come on down here and just lift up your hands. Just real simple. Once you come in that gate, he's the God of this city. He is the King of Kings. He provides for those that come in that gate. He provides for those that commit themselves to him. We need you right now, Lord Jesus. We need you right now, Lord Jesus. Lord, I need you. I need you. Minister team, would you find someone that's seeking him right now? Would you find someone that's reaching out to him right now?